if your motivation is to help someone to live a longer life, to have a better quality of life, it's not about, I'm going to make you look a certain way. A why is something that makes everything else easier or more necessary. So it can't be to look a certain way. The Happy Healthy Human podcast will help you build your happy, healthy life. Your host, Paul Levitin, is a board-licensed health and wellness coach, nutrition coach, personal trainer, and behavior change specialist with over 10 years of experience helping people create positive life change. Each week, he discusses topics that will help you understand yourself, why you do the things you do, and how to take steps to create the life of your dreams. He talks with experts from therapists to addictions counselors, coaches, trainers, CEOs, financial planners, and more. If you've ever wondered how can you become the best, happiest, healthiest version of yourself, you've come to the right place. All right, Fiona, your upcoming book is called The Body Image Epidemic. What, what is that and what does it mean? Yeah, so kind of like you think about um, pandemic with what we just went through with COVID and everything, it's it's basically like a rapidly growing problem. And I see, you know, this this need for a little bit more awareness of how big of a deal body image is. I think a lot of us suffer silently with it. And so my goal with this book is to just draw awareness to how much our body image actually affects us, because I, I kind of condense it into three main areas um, as far as how it affects our relationships with food, how it affects our relationships with fitness, and then also with intimate relationships. Uh, that's really interesting, and I agree that it is something that is definitely super prevalent today and you mentioned that suffering in silence so how big of a phenomenon do you think that this really is i think it affects most people i actually find it rare to find someone and there are those people but i find it rare to find someone who really just has a very secure relationship with themselves and with their bodies i think especially with you know kind of the culture that we live in where um, the beauty standards constantly change and where it's very normal just to, you know, have fake nails and fake lashes and fake lips. And um, that's just the women, you know, it, it's interesting to see the effect of that on different people. And so I think that most people are affected by it, but how deep or how vocal they are about it is different to the individual. Yeah, I think that that's important to note. Obviously, everything is every, very individual and everyone is unique. But I, I agree with your point that this probably does affect more people than they realize, more people than we realize, and most people at some regard, because we are bombarded by this stuff. We are surrounded ever presently by marketing and social media and other people and everything in us, around us, about the world that we live in currently is in some way signaling us or messaging us. And I'm curious then, how do we start to 
break out of that if it's something that is hurting or hindering us? That's the, the million dollar question, right? Um, you know, there's so many different approaches to it. I think that the biggest thing is starting to develop an awareness of just how much it's affecting you, what kind of power it has over you. Much like with, you know, addiction, how the first step in it is, right, admitting that you have a problem. So I think us being able to look inward at ourselves and see just how much control our body image, especially negative self-image has on different areas of our life is huge because you're able to say, you know, this is where it stops and start to take action steps to fixing it. So can you expand a little bit about uh, on what you just said about that negative self-image and how it affects our lives? Yeah, well, I, I like to categorize people into three different types. Have you heard of attachment style in psychology? Uh, yeah, I have, but it's something we haven't really covered on this podcast. So if you wanted to explain a little bit for, for listeners, just very briefly, that'd be great. Yeah, just like a high-level overview of attachment theory is basically that People relate to others, especially in romantic relationships, um, in one of, you know, a couple different major ways based on how we bonded with our caregivers when we were little. So the main types are avoidant, anxious, and secure, with secure being like the healthy attachment style, someone who can have a healthy relationship and communicate well and not take things personally and and things like that nature. And so the goal for the other types, anxious or avoidant, is to sort of move towards a secure relationship. And what I've learned through my experience with, you know, learning about attachment theory and then being in, you know, the fitness space and now with the body image um, coaching and things like that, I've realized that we not only bond to people in that way, but we also bond or have attachments with other things in life, like food, like exercise, like sex. And so I think that it shows up as anxious or avoidant or secure in things like food and exercise, if that makes sense. Yeah, it it, it does to me, again, because uh, attachment styles are something I'm actually very new to and have been learning about actually in, in recent months. So could you just, again, for listeners or for anyone who is not really so so into this world, ex- explain this in the, in the frame of what you're talking about around body image, what you would consider anxious or what you would consider uh, avoidant in, in, in that in the regard of what you're talking about? Yeah. So I see anxious as associated with like racing thoughts or what you would typically think of with anxiety right? So if somebody has a negative body image, it can manifest in a couple of different ways. So if it manifests negatively in your relationship with food, you might obsess over counting calories or counting macros. You might weigh yourself multiple times a day because you're seeing like, how does this food affect my body? You might um, take like measurements of different parts of your body or, um, you know, over exercise when it comes to fitness if you have that attachment style i can't i can't miss a day if i miss a day it's going to ruin everything um i have to work out at 100 percent intensity which you know we both know 
isn't realistic for every day. And so it's this very like overwhelmed, racing thoughts, uncomfortable sort of feeling. On the other side of that, you have more of like the avoidant type. Um, so this can be somebody who just has given up on food completely, right? Like, well, you know, screw it. I'm just going to eat whatever I want because nothing works anyway. Or I don't have a problem. So these people are more likely to be like binge eaters or eating in like a kind of fog. Whereas the anxious type would be more likely to develop something like anorexia nervosa or orthorexia. Um, when it comes to exercise, the avoidant person probably isn't going to exercise or they have their plan for exercising and they start and then they're like, oh, well, that was good enough, you know, and just kind of don't finish, don't follow through. And you can be kind of an overlap, right? You can sort of be anxious and avoidant. And so that person might be the person who cuts out an entire food group. Um, they're avoiding an entire food group out of that feeling of anxiety. Or maybe they're the very inconsistent exerciser who they'll work out three times one week and not at all the next week. Um, and that's sort of this cycle that they fall into. So the goal for all of those is to move to a healthier relationship with food and with exercise. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I can see definitely people falling into different categories. I'm curious, just for my own understanding, do you see these as being related to our attachment styles when it comes to relationships? Meaning, is someone if someone is an anxious attachment in the relationship, or do, do you see a connection to them also being anxious attachment in their in their food habits or is it just like we're using the same no the, the same names in this area but it's not like if i'm one in one area i'm one across the board in all of them yeah so it can definitely be different for each of them however most commonly i'll see if somebody is anxious with food they're also anxious with exercise and they're also anxious in general and with relationships okay that, that makes a lot of sense that's helpful and again for anyone listening just looking into attachment styles and attachment theory is super helpful for all areas of life because this is stuff that affects us. It comes from our childhood. It comes from how we were raised and it, it, it can be very illuminating when you, when you think about your, the relationships you've had, your romantic relationships, your partners, how you communicate with your partner. So it's something that's great to just be more educated on. And it's something that I, I do want to do more uh, actual episodes on in the future because it's super helpful. Uh, I do think it's interesting that you, like I did, came from a fitness background. And I'm curious how you think the fitness industry fits into this body image epidemic as a whole. That's, yeah, a loaded question. I think there's so many, so many <laughs> things, I think, especially with social media and you see all of the people working out. Now, basically, anyone with a desirable body can post some some videos and then, you know, blow up. And so one, I think it creates a lot of misinformation um, as far as what's real and what's not, which is hard for the average person to discern. I think also we create different standards of beauty within the fitness industry. So one with celebrities and media, that's aside, but then in the fitness industry, you have the CrossFit body and the Pilates body and the different types of fitness people, you know, judging each other based on whether or not they agree with their type of exercise. 
And so that starts to kind of play into it as well. Yeah, I see that obviously the fitness industry, I've I've come a long way in the same regard of I, I was super in it and that's kind of why I left it because I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of icky and it's not really the, the message that I want to be promoting. And yet at the same time, I always battle that with the fact that, you know, fitness is still extremely important and there is a level of being fit will change the shape of your body or change the amount of yeah. excess fat that you carry around. So I'm, I'm curious how you feel about maybe something like, you know, the, the fat acceptance movement or even more specifically, because I think everyone can get behind that. I mean, I, I would hope so, but more specifically healthy at any size. Yeah, I think that the intent behind it, I think the ideals, I, it's something that's amazing as far as, you know, you should be encouraging everybody and all bodies to be healthy, to respect themselves. I think there's a lot to this that people don't see. You know, you look at someone who is running down the street and they're maybe you know, like your typical idea of healthy, right? And you're like, oh, wow, like, oh, I want to be like them. But then if you see someone who's bigger and maybe they're running at the same pace or maybe they're running faster, you know, they're, they're still being active, but they're not at that like point in their journey to where their body might reflect the work that they do, or maybe their body doesn't shed pounds the way that other people's do. Um, and our thought process go in a completely different direction. So I think that the inclusion and being able to recognize that just because a body doesn't look a certain way doesn't mean that it's not healthy. I think that's a really important thing. I think that we also need to look at the, you know, health on the cellular level and make it more about that than about will you appear to be healthy? Because you can be, you know, what they call skinny fat too. Um, you can be totally thin and eat like garbage and you know, have a heart attack at the age of 30. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I mean, everything that you just said is spot on one. It, 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 there should be, you know, acceptance and love for everyone. I think that that's super important. And then shape or size is not directly correlated to health. I think that that's very important. I did a, I did a whole episode about this uh, a couple of months back. People listening can scroll back. I, it's, a, it's actually a two-part episode about the what is the perfect diet and all of part one was about that that per, people associate the word diet with weight loss but the best diet yes. to me is about health it's about being a healthy person it's not about losing weight so to speak it's about nourishing your body to be at the, the, the right place that it wants to be because we all have a place that our body wants to be a set point over or under which is uh, is relatively unhealthy or, or or will teeter on unhealthy and Yes, to just inherently be skinny is not healthy, but I do always want to, at least in my understanding, again, as a fitness coach working in the health and fitness world, I have to be honest and say that there is a level of body fat that becomes unhealthy. There is a level of, from, of, from which, not to say that someone can't be strong and fit and beautiful, but there is a level at, at which that your body carrying around excess body fat can cause negative health effects down the road, especially as we age. A lot of people, you know, you can be healthy and go into yoga class at 300 pounds 
at the age of 25 or 30 or 35, I've never seen a 65 year old person who is severely overweight and still exercising an 80 year old person who's severely overweight and still exercising. So that's where I look at this stuff from, not from an aesthetic standpoint, but from the standpoint of longevity and health. But our, the world that we live in is so focused on looks. That's all that people care about. It's like, well, and you know, why would I care about 30 years from now or something like that? And, and again, so, and the people who fight back against it, who, you know, again, healthy at any size acceptance and stuff like that is about accepting the look of this thing because it should be like i should be able to look any way which i agree with so i'm curious like when you talk to people when you're talking to your clients or when, when you're talking to people about this how do you discern between that like the, the the size difference in terms of like it's not just about aesthetics but is there a health portion that we that we that is kind of like the elephant in the room at this point no pun intended where like it's like people don't want to talk about it but like, does it need to still be a part of the conversation? It has to be. Um, And it is something that's controversial and it's uncomfortable. I think you have to look at like, what's the motivation behind it? You know, if your motivation is to help someone to live a longer life, to have a better quality of life, it's not about I'm going to make you look a certain way. You're going to lose weight with me. That's the difference. It's where, where is your heart? Are you there to serve them or are you there to post their picture on your next social proof post where it's like, Oh, look at this person. And it's the same with, you know, clients that I work with. One of the first things that we do is we find their why. And I think this is something that, you know, it's kind of like a buzz and people talk about it, but I view it as a why is something that makes everything else easier or more necessary. So it can't be to look a certain way because that doesn't make anything easier and it doesn't make it a need, a necessity. So it's like, well, I want to be, I want to lose weight. Why? Well, so that I can feel better about myself. Why? you have to go so deep into that to really uncover the real reasoning behind it. And I think part of, you know, being able to show up for yourself and, and to be able to follow through and stay consistent is really being able to do some work on that and uncover beyond aesthetics. What's, what's the point? Yeah, finding your why is obviously the the biggest thing, and it's 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 con- it's cliche at this point almost to say this is literally the, my. I mean, we've we're over a hundred episodes into this podcast. My episode one, if people want to scroll all the way back, literally very episode one I ever did of this show is literally start with why. That's the title of the episode because that's that's it. That you can't do anything else without a, a reason, a, a deep reason. And the thing is that. And from what I see, it's it's that we need that, right? That's so important. And yet everything that we have around us in terms of our our media, our social media, the TV, the movies is so surface level, right? It's, it's, it's lose weight because you'll look different tomorrow. And it's, you know, the the whole thing, what, what have you done for me lately? It's, it's right now. I, I, it's like, you're talking about healing body trauma or something like that. It's like, well, that's like, I can't think about that now. And I need to, I need to lose weight immediately. And that's, that's where I think people get so stuck 
So if you start working with someone or you're just have someone listening to this podcast who is in that that realm of like, yeah, I, I hear I hear what you're saying, Fiona. Like it sounds important. I get that we should love ourselves, but right now I need to lose some weight. Like right now, like, but I really do have weight to lose. I really am 50 pounds overweight, right? Like it's easy for you to say, like, you look great, like you like but but I really do have the weight to lose. How do we get out of that that circular thinking that keeps us stuck for so long? Well, that is, honestly, it's a hard question to answer. Coming from, you know, where I came from, I realized because I got to my goal, right? I was the person who was like, but I have to lose this weight. But I, it's not possible to do this until I look the way that I want to look. And so I used very, I was the anxious attachment style. I was eating 1,200 calories a day. I was working out to sometimes three times a day. I wasn't taking rest days. I wasn't deloading, even as a professional, as an exercise physiologist and like knowing that my approach was not happy. Um, I was feeding off of the compliments off of the results I was getting, right? Like people are like, Oh, you look, you look so great. Every time I see you, you're smaller, you're smaller. And I finally got to the point where I was almost unhealthily small and people are still telling me how amazing I look and I, it wasn't good enough. Right. I think that hitting that sort of like bottom and realizing that like, well, now that I'm small enough, I want to have more defined arms or why aren't my abs showing on the bottom? Why can I only see my top four? Right. It's like, Um, you realize that if you don't learn to love yourself as you are, you're not going to, when you lose 10 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever health goal you have in mind. And some of us lie to ourselves and tell us, oh, it's not that I want to lose weight. It's that I want to, I want to be toned or whatever it is, right? Some of us lie to ourselves and we're like, um, it's this goal, right? And this goal is more socially acceptable now than saying I want to lose weight because even that can be controversial now. And so once you get there and you realize like I, I still don't appreciate or accept myself, then then what? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head right now. It has to start with loving yourself as is. And I think that's that's the challenge because clearly people don't. And that's why they want right. to change. And it's, it's, it's so interesting. I'm literally people who are just listening as, as Fiona's talking right now, I'm kind of like chuckling, not because I'm, I'm laughing at what you're saying. It's because I literally, literally just finished recording another podcast with a woman named Allie Kirshner. And she is a coach at a company called the art of coaching, which is all about communications. But she, she, she came up in the strength and conditioning world and she was a strength and conditioning coach and she had the exact same story that you just said literally <laughs> verbatim I, I i i needed to look the part so i worked out i got i i i i was super lean it was it was now looking back it was like bordering on disordered eating if not full-blown disordered eating i was yeah. doing two a days and it was all and it was all bolstered by the fact that people were giving me that 
verbal validation. And I had the exact same experience when I first became a personal trainer, exactly the same thing. I needed to look the part. So I cut out all the carbs. I started to do, I started to do two hours of cardio, an hour of abs and an hour of lifting every day. And I was, I was leaning out. I was the lightest I'd ever been, but also the weakest, also the most unhealthy. And again, it was emboldened by the fact that people were telling me, Oh, wow, you look so lean. Oh, whoa, you're looking jacked. Oh, nice job, bro. Keep it going. So one, I think it's just very powerful for you to share that story because you said it, she said it, I said it. It's clearly this is not a a strange thing, especially for people working in the fitness industry, which probably deserves yeah. its own whole conversation about that. <laughs> it does. Well. But, but my question is how, because all of that was triggered, you, she, I, by the compliments that people were giving. These people were not trying to put you down. They were trying to, they thought they were telling you something good. Oh, Fiona, you look great. You lost so much weight, but are now connecting your worth as a person, as a woman, as a human to being smaller. Wow. You look great that now that you lost 10 pounds. So what does that mean? 10 pounds ago, I didn't look great. So now if I look great, 10 pounds less, do I look double good, double great at 20 pounds less? So, right, exactly. So now, and this is how this stuff gets, gets propagated. So how then do we help people or break out of this cycle when again, so much of what our society knows to even talk about when people are trying to do good, people are trying to be helpful and say, okay, like, listen, you're working out, you're looking great. And yet even that can pour gasoline on the fire of what turns out to be unhealthy rather than healthy. I wish there was an easy answer. We've, especially in the age of, you know, social media, associate worth and value with the way that people look. And while there is this movement to change that, and there is, you know, an awareness of, you know, we have to stop complimenting or commenting period on people's bodies and the way that they look, you know, it's still such a normal accepted thing. So I think what you can do is to take a step back yourself and start to find other things to comment on. Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, where you don't compliment someone at all. You can tell someone that, they are looking good. I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I think drawing the attention to it's because your weight or your skin or your hair or something specific, I think it can be harmful. I know when I was going through my journey, I was also going through a pretty rough divorce, you know? And so the way that I gained control over that that I had no, no control over was to overexert control when it came to food and exercise. And so just understanding that you have no idea what that person is going through. And oftentimes when people are losing weight at a drastic rate, it usually has some sort of underlying stress or trauma, loss in the family, things like that. And so um, you know, seeing the person for more than the outer and asking, like, how are you doing, you know, instead, I think that can be helpful, too. Yeah, I think that definitely as a society, moving away from 
commenting on people's looks. It just has to happen because we, we and again, no one does this maliciously. We It's mm-hmm. something you would think that you're saying something nice, but now we start to understand, like you said, oh, oh, wow, you look so good. You lost so much weight, not knowing that you haven't eaten in five days because you're going through a divorce and your anxiety is so high that, you know, your hair is falling out. And now it's like, well, what, right. what do I do with that information? Because now I look great after not eating for five days. Does that mean I just starve myself forever? And that person is trying to be helpful. And yet it, it ends up, you know, backfiring and, and boomerang in the other direction. And I think that personally, and even this can be problematic, right? This is why it's so hard. Everything can be problematic. There are no easy answers for this stuff. I'm asking you hard yeah. questions that have no answers, right? But even I would say like comment on someone's uh, dedication, right? I like to like, oh, like you, I, you're you working so hard, right? You, oh, wow, you've, you've been so dedicated. But even that can be problematic. Oh, I'm working so hard, but I, I got to work harder now, right? Now I become, oh, oh yeah, exactly. You're, oh, you're, you've been, so, hey, wow, you've been, you've been really showing up to the gym lately. You, you did four days last week maybe I should try five this week. Maybe I should try six this week. And now that I'm thinking about it, everything circles back to us as humans seeking external validation from others. And the only way that we can get out of that is to seek that internally, right? It's that, like you just said, if you're not good with yourself when you at, at whatever weight, you won't be good with yourself losing 50, 20, 100 pounds, whatever it is. So how can someone start to, if you've been the person who has always put so much weight into what other people say, then put yourself first? It's about personal responsibility. And I I think that was a perfect segue into it because yeah, you can do your part as far as comments you make to other people. But if people aren't taking that initiative and that personal responsibility to change the narrative themselves, you know, because it's unrealistic to think that as a society, all of a sudden, everyone's just going to stop commenting on people's bodies. And so, you know, we can essentially like arm ourselves with awareness and with action to move away from associating our value and our worth with the way that we look. Um, the way that I teach is through neuro-linguistic programming. Um, so initials are NLP and basically it's just a way of changing your thoughts and behavior. Um, you know, I start with awareness. So how much is it affecting me? Really deeply knowing how much it affects you, how much it controls your life so that you can start to interrupt because our subconscious is just constantly going. I think 80% of the thoughts that we have today are thoughts that we had yesterday and thoughts that we will have tomorrow. And only about 20% of our thoughts are actually new thoughts that we haven't had before. And so we have this repetitive process that we're almost unaware of having. And part of that is the narrative that we have around our body. And so what we have to do is first find awareness of, okay, this is how much it affects me, and then start to recognize what patterns come up. So what are the thoughts that I'm thinking? What are those 80% of thoughts when it comes to my body that I'm thinking and becoming aware of those patterns? Once we recognize certain patterns, because we're doing them almost subconsciously, I walk by the mirror, I think fat, right? Or whatever it is that you're, you think about yourself, acne, stretch marks, you know, skinny eyebrows, small lips, whatever that thought is, you subconsciously think every time you walk past a mirror, you have to stop yourself, 
So we bring awareness, we find the patterns, we interrupt the patterns, and then we have to replace it. Um, you know, this is a very popular method of changing thoughts and behaviors. And I'm not the first person to use it, but it's a, extremely effective when you do it consistently. And so you have to replace that with something that you truly believe. So if you really think I'm fat, you can't say all of a sudden I'm skinny, right? But maybe you say like, I'm soft and feminine, or my body is on a journey, or something that you actually believe to start to replace those subconscious negative thoughts with more positive ones. Yeah, I think that that's a really powerful tool that you just highlighted that pattern interrupt and then well awareness first pattern interrupt and then inserting something that you believe in right this is i like that because a lot of this like affirmation mantra airy fairy stuff where it's just like yeah like just believe yourself you know believe yourself rich believe yourself skinny it's like well you know we know that that doesn't work but what you just said it it replacing those negative thoughts one uh, becoming aware and then replacing them with something that you believe and it doesn't have to be perfect for anyone listening and this is where i always go to action steps because what's in your control you might not as you said think that you love your body you might not think right now that you can you're skinny right if you're you're, the, the intrusive thought is i'm so fat then and you can't just replace that with i'm beautiful and i love myself because that might not be the truth in that moment and then pushing that in is only going to make you fight the process more whereas saying I'm trying my best. I'm taking steps towards a healthier life because you're drinking more water, because you're getting more sleep. That is the truth. And your body can internalize that and your nervous system can know that it's the truth. Your brain knows when you're lying to it. So if you're telling yourself affirmations and mantras and all this stuff that you feel like aren't true, it's not going to get you anywhere. So you need to find something, you find that middle ground that is nudging you in the right direction and yet at the same time is true to you and true in that moment. And again, this can change with time. Some people have affirmations that they say the same one every day. I personally like change it based on how I'm feeling in the moment. But I think that it's it's just an important thing to to talk about because a lot of people give me that pushback when I talk about affirmations or I talk about mantras or I talk about self-talk. They go, but I don't believe it. I don't, I don't say that about myself. I do think I'm ugly. I do think I'm, I have skinny eyebrows or something like that. And, and, and having the thing, having something that you can actually believe in, even if it's small, even if it's, you know, again, I'm, I I think that, you know, again, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm so fat. I I hate saying that, but whatever. I think that I'm so fat, but replacing that with like, I'm trying and drinking more water like that. That's a step in the right direction because that's a choice that you're making towards yourself. And that's an action step that is well within your control. But I I think the interesting thing to me that I'm always looking at the word that pinged me is patterns, right? We fall into the same, we need a pattern interrupt. And that assumes that we're falling into the same pattern. And the interesting thing, as you said, is okay. Most of our thoughts are subconscious. We, we, we get stuck in these same patterns all the time, but we are stuck in our own patterns. I, Paul am stuck in my pattern. You Fiona are stuck in your patterns. Anyone listening is stuck in their patterns, but my pattern is to think that other people notice my patterns, right? That's mm-hmm. the, like, I look, walk, walk by the mirror and see my chunky thighs or my cellulite or something like that. And I assume that other people notice that too. But the reality yeah. is that Fiona is noticing her things and that Ashley is noticing her things and Steve is noticing his things. So we have this, I, I did an episode 
a, a while ago called literally the title is no one cares about you. And that's a good thing. And I, I, you know, a lot of people got angry with me about that. But the point is that people are not thinking about you nearly as much as you think they are. And yeah. even if they are commenting on you, right, because that's because I've heard from from girls that I've talked to in the past, they go, no, you don't know, like guys do comment, guys will say something about me, like, oh, you lost weight, or oh, you look chubby, or oh, you something It's like, it's like, well, one, those people are called assholes. But two, right. the moment those words leave their mouth, they've stopped talking, they've stopped thinking about you again, no matter what, even if someone is commenting on you, even if something we all have our own lives and our, our complex human existence is so woven into the the universe there's so much going on in our brains at any given moment that we don't really have the space to be thinking about other people i mean just think about yourself how often are you thinking about someone else i mean again you might see someone and be like oh that's a nice outfit or or she looks so stupid or i hate that guy but within 30 seconds your brain is off to the next thought so i just wanted i'm sorry i, I that that sent me on a little tangent there but i think it's it's worth exploring because we are the center of our own universe for better or worse. And while this seems like a weird conceited thing to say to me, I don't know if you agree, Fiona, it's very freeing because now it's like, oh, I don't have to worry so much about everyone else. That's a hundred, a hundred thousand. I love the tangent. I'm like over here excited because that it, it is exactly as you're saying. And what's so unfortunate about it is that that person makes that comment in passing, doesn't give it a second thought and it affects you for the rest of your life. And you remember right. that comment 20 years later. I am thinking about like kids on the playground and my brother's friends and him making fun of me. And it's, they have no idea that that even happened. And if I brought it up, they would probably be like, what are you talking about? But I remember, I've internalized that and connected mm. that passing comments that really had so little to do with me, you know, as part of like a worth thing. And so how do you dissociate that? That's the, that's the process and the journey and realizing like, I'm not defined by those people's comments. Um, I think not only when it comes to body image, but in so many other things, realizing that when like half of the criticisms that come to you, whether it's about your body or your performance or anything else in life, a lot of times, it's somebody projecting onto mm. you how they feel about themselves. 100%. And that's something that, yeah, I mean, it's the comments from, you know, parents and boyfriends or girlfriends who maybe even they're trying to help you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's oftentimes about their value and their worth and how they see themselves. Yeah, so much, so much, so much truth right there. That That's exactly it, right? it's it's one they're trying to you know the, the comment that people are the comments that people are giving sometimes are not malicious sometimes they are but almost 100 percent of the time are come from something deep-seated in themselves like you said that's the the classic example of like the gr girl coming down stairs in a crop top and her mom going like oh honey like you, your your belly sticks out too much of that or something like that what she's doing and and, and if, regardless if she knows it or not she's projecting the time when she was young and she got made fun of for being chubby and or that she got to, like some boy told her that he wouldn't date her because of x y and z and that the, and that's the thing is that everything that we do everything that everything that everyone does is from the state of protection our brain is trying to protect us so when you were three i mean in three in third grade and you handed in an art project and your t art teacher came by and said uh you're not the best at drawing little timmy maybe maybe try music and you internalize that now and then 
for the next 40 years never did another drawing because your brain has programmed into it i'm bad at drawing i shouldn't try it's not trying to hurt you it's trying to save you it's a protective mechanism that we have but that thing is no longer serving us and it's the same with body image it's the same with everything else our brain is trying to protect us from the possible backlash of going against the norms that's what everything is right in human nature we are animals pack animals and in the pack you follow the pack otherwise you risk being ostracized right and a wolf that gets banished from the pack will die the the the, the lone wolf dies the pack survives and that's how humans are too. So if we risk being ostracized, we are risking loss of survival. And that might sound weird, like what the hell does all of this have to do with body image, but it's everything. Because if everyone dresses a certain way, you feel like you have to dress that way to remain being part of the pack. And if everyone is saying that that being skinny is good, then you don't you you just get sucked into this thing, even if your individual body sits at 180 pounds as a female and everyone is telling you that beauty is less than 130 pounds now where does that leave you that leaves you at a very precarious place because now the reality of your body which is perfectly fine perfectly healthy feels good looks good moves well all these good things but it weighs 180 pounds and now it doesn't fit into what society has told you and that's what we're trying to ideally break out of but it's going against literally human nature it's going against that feeling of i i can't do this my brain everything in my body is telling me that i'm wrong because my brain is trying to keep me safe and you know one of the words that you mentioned was neuroplasticity and how you know i'm curious how you see that interacting with everything that i just mentioned and, and how that can either help or hinder this uh goal of getting out of that trap I think that when we talk about changing thoughts and behaviors, that's where neuroplasticity comes back in. Um, it's so interesting because you're talking about self-preservation um, and the whole people as animals that opens up so many other avenues that I love to go into as far as like nutrition and things like that. But, um, you know, in answer to your question, it allows us to change the way that we think, right? So if you think that your worth is defined by how you look and the comments that people make about your body, that doesn't mean that you will never make progress, right? I think a lot of people, especially when it comes to body image, think, well, that was possible for her or that was possible for him. It will never be possible for me. I think the idea and the science behind neuroplasticity and one of the wonderful things about it is that it is possible for everyone. It's a matter of the time and the consistency, because I mean, if we're being realistic, if you have body image issues, like most people do, it's a life journey to heal from it, but being able to accept and acknowledge that it is possible it provides a certain sort of almost power over your circumstance. You shift from, I am a victim of society and the way that things are to, I have the 
the power, I have the knowledge, I have the possibility to succeed, to change my thoughts. And I think that that's a huge and extremely important shift if you do want to eventually have a healthy relationship with your body and food and exercise. I love that. That was such such a great point. And exactly that we aren't stuck. This this is changeable. We can feel stuck. But that's the great thing as humans that our greatest ability is to adapt to change to overcome this is, you know, fixed versus growth mindset thinking that we, yeah. we've talked about a lot on this podcast before. I really appreciate that that last tidbit, Fiona. So my last question that I leave all of my guests with at the end of every interview is if you could leave listeners with one action step to start living a happier, healthier life. As soon as this podcast ends, as soon as they take their headphones out, what would it be? I think that committing to working on yourself, just deciding, right? I think so many people sit on the fence. I would wager, I guess, that you have maybe 80% of your listeners who, who listen and maybe they listen to other podcasts and YouTube videos, but they don't execute. And then maybe you have another 10% who try to execute but fall off. There's about 1% to 2% of people who will listen to something like this and go and apply what we talked about and interrupting patterns and creating awareness. And those people will succeed. Those people will um, start to move towards a secure relationship with themselves and to grow. So my one step would just be decide, decide to get off the fence and to uh, execute, to apply what you're learning. Love that. You can't, you can't put it any better than that. Uh, I, I had a, oh, that's one of that, that, hit uh that action step comes up a lot from a lot of people a lot of the coaches and stuff that i work with i had an episode a while back that uh literally was make a decision to act and you know jim quick is a guy who i i've learned a lot from and i i, I love his book he's a brain coach and he says that knowledge cool. isn't power you know people say knowledge is power but knowledge isn't power knowledge applied is power if you don't do anything with the knowledge that we're giving you here then it really all is for nothing so i i really love that last step fiona uh i want to just thank you for being here and for anyone who wants to reach out to you to contact you to get more information about you what you're doing your book i'll have your social media and all the links in the show notes but where's the best place for people to contact you on the internet yeah so right now it is instagram um that's probably the best place, whether it's, you know, private message or comments, things like that. Um, and that's at blackberry.breakfast. Okay. So that would be the best place to get in contact with me right now. I'm hoping to move into other places. Um, but I appreciate you taking the time and to continue to have these conversations. I think it's so important. And when I came across your podcast, I knew that I had to talk to you. Um, so I really appreciate it. I've loved the the time and I hope this helps even just one person. Yeah, if it helps even just one person, then that, that's all that we can really hope for. So yeah, thank you for being here and have a great day. Thanks, Paul. You too. That's all for this week. Be sure to subscribe and follow the show so you don't miss a beat. Support the show by sending this episode to a friend or leaving a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. 
Stay happy, stay healthy.